welcome to a sassy little podcast for getting over it. I'm your host, Sandra Ann Miller. Today we're talking about getting the F over chronic fatigue because this isn't something a nap or caffeine cures. Our guest is a wife, mother, and a freelance writer for such publications as Healthline, Reader's Digest, Canadian Living, and Yummy Mummy Club. She's written about travel, parenting, relationships, and her experience living with chronic fatigue. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Adele Paul. How are you today, Adele? Very well, thanks. How about you, Sandra? Good, thank you. Well, you know, a little tired, to be honest. (laughs) Every day? (laughs) Every day. I envy people that actually wake up refreshed and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to take on the world. Oh, and this happens for you? Oh, never. I mean, I I don't think ever. But I literally have to set two alarms because I've been known to turn off my alarm in my sleep. And so, yeah. Yeah. Not wake up for the day. I have literally, I literally don't own an alarm clock. I I have children who do this work for me. <laughs> who needs a machine? Awesome. Yeah. Well, then wait till they become teenagers, and maybe then. Oh yeah, maybe then, maybe then. We're on the cusp. I have a twelve-year-old. We're getting close. Ah, you're getting close. Getting to that time yeah. where it's like, yeah, mornings are not your friend. Yeah, we will see. He's still the earliest bird of the three of them. So wow. I, I I don't know what's coming. Well, that works. Well, so it was my junior year of high school when I got sick and I got bronchitis and tonsillitis and I was so sick, I gave myself infectious mono, which I think is very sexy. And I got through that and I've always had asthma. I've always had allergies and allergies kind of weigh you down. You're just kind of tired. You're always fighting something off. And when I was 19, when I was away at college, I started experiencing extreme fatigue and everybody kind of like makes you think that it's something you're doing because you're young and you're out and you're partying and you're not getting enough sleep and you're waking up late for class and blah, blah, blah. Except it was different. This wasn't something a nap fixed. This wasn't something that caffeine fixed. This wasn't something that eating better or, and I mean, eating better in a college sense. It wasn't something that was getting better on its own or over time. And it got to the point where when I was probably 21, 22, I couldn't get out of bed. I was missing classes. And, you know, I would be in bed until four o'clock when I had to get up to go to work. And it was just like crying because I couldn't get up to get to work. I mean, I I made it, but it was such a struggle and it was like tears. And it's not like not wanting to. It's like that physical pain, I would say, except you're completely empty. You're not really even feeling pain. And finally, I was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr when I was about 23. And so that's where I was like super excited that I had a label for it. Like it wasn't in my head. It wasn't that I wasn't getting enough good rest. I had something wrong with me. And to be excited that you have something wrong with you. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. So this was your early 20s, hey? Mm. Yeah. So when you're supposed to be like really energetic and getting away with like, you know, no sleep and just living life. Honestly, that would be the worst. Like the early 20s when everybody else is having a heyday, the time of their life, and you're yeah. just unable to move your limbs out of bed. That honestly almost times yeah. as worse as it possibly could. It was really sad. But, you know, again, people just, they turn it on you. It's like you're some, there's something you are doing 
that's causing this. And maybe you're depressed or maybe yeah. you're just a malingerer or whatever it is that they want to kind of throw at you. There's something you are doing that's causing this and you just need to get over it and you just need to figure out what it is and kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps, have another cup of coffee and yeah. get on with life because we're all tired. And the difference is, is this fatigue is way different than exhaustion or Absolutely not getting is. enough sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I always compare, like I had my first son before I, before I got chronic fatigue syndrome. So I knew tired. He was a colicky baby. He cried all night. I knew tired. I knew exhaustion, but I could, I could lift my limbs out of bed. It, it, it just, it's a completely different thing. And again, yes, the same things. Are you depressed? Are you not getting enough sleep? All the, what can you do about this? But it, it just wasn't the same. And I knew it. And for me, it had a definitive start. Mm. Like I, at the time I was running a, a daycare. So that is a, uh, you can imagine that's all kinds of... Uh, that's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting up and I thought, oh, like I I don't feel very well. But I didn't actually cancel the kids coming that day. So I thought, well, like it's something. But anyway, I I thought, mm, you know, not bad enough to cancel daycare. Because I mean, if, if I'd had a, a horrible flu of some kind, I would have, I would have canceled the kids coming. But I, it wasn't so bad. Until for me, I started, I think I was getting over it. And then I'd get on my treadmill. I had just bought a treadmill. This was the worst waste of money of my life, I think. <laughs> I'd get on the treadmill. At the time, I was in pretty great shape. I'd run a 5K and then absolutely could not lift my limbs the following day. And I thought, mm. what's, what's this? Like, this isn't. So there really was a definitive day. I just, mm. I had a virus, which actually wasn't particularly severe. And then it was, for me, any amount of physical activity just slammed me. And it never, that never changed. In fact, it, it would still be that way. I still cannot go for a run. I still cannot do anything, anything to do with cardio exercise. So wow. that still lingers with me today. I can, I can still, I can go for a walk, but anything that gets my heart beating, I'm going to pay, including gardening, just you know, everyday things, like, it's surprising how much your heart gets going just on everyday things. So, yeah. so long as I keep myself in a kind of beneath that, I can function, I can function okay. And also providing I don't have any uh, interruptions to my ridiculous 10 hours of sleep a night. And also providing I don't have any, uh, like additional illness, because it seems right. in our house, when the when the kids get sick, or when my husband gets sick, you know, they have their two or three days and then they kind of come out the other end. And for me, it's a month. I'm mm -hmm. dragging and dragging. And, and I, when I do have some kind of some kind of a bug, I then for me, I can't, I can't go for a walk, I have to stay and rest during the day. And yeah, so it has improved over the years. But at the same time, I take phenomenal care of myself. Right. I, yes, I, I never ever stray. I don't know any other adults my age who go to bed at 930 every night and sleep till seven every day without fail. So <laughs> Yeah. And any, any deviation from that, I remember going to a Christmas party at my husband's uh, business and I thought, oh, well, like I stay out till 11. I've been doing pretty well. And I was just, it was just like walking in Vaseline the next day. It was horrible. Mm. Yeah. Just worth it. There's definitely a, a price to pay. Oh yes. Yeah. Just deciding what it's worth.
when when did you get to that point where you you had that definitive day? What year was that? That was the end of 2012. So I remember it being early December, and I thought that whatever happened, this virus that arrived, whatever mild thing that it was, and then I kept. I kept getting on the treadmill. Like for me, it was this, I'd get on the treadmill and be slammed and get on the mm-hmm. treadmill and be slammed. And I thought, I'm not like, I'm not getting over this. And I remember as Christmas approached and my birthday's a couple days after Christmas and a few friends wanted to make a plan. And it's like, do you want to do something for your birthday on the 27th? And I thought, I just knew, I was like, I, I won't, I won't be okay by the 27th. Like I, I'm not getting over this. And I, I did start doctoring around that time and I had all the blood tests. I'm not sure like you say, the Epstein bar is what you were diagnosed with. Mm-hmm. So is that what had caused mono back when you were in grades or sorry, middle school? You said. Well, I was. It was junior high. Or junior not high. junior high. It was my junior. See, hello, welcome to another phase of Epstein bars, <laughs> the brain fog. Um, it yeah. was my junior year of high school. So I was like sixteen, seventeen. I can't really remember exactly where right. that was, but I know it was my junior year. And the way it was described to me is, I had bronchitis and tonsillitis at the same time. And they kept giving me like blood tests and whatnot. And at one point they said, you have infectious mono, not just like, you know, you made out with the wrong boy mono, infectious mono. Too bad. (laughs) I know. I'm like, only I would give myself mono. And so the way it was described to me is I was so sick that my white count or whatever it was reached that point that it was defined as infectious mono. Now this is what I recall as a teenager just having blood drawn out of me all the time. Yeah. And I was sick for weeks. And looking this back up, because, you know, once I was diagnosed, and basically, once you get the diagnosis, it's like, congratulations, there is nothing we can do for you. Yes. <laughs> Good luck. And, exactly. and we don't believe this is a real thing anyway. So, yes. you know, you have a test for something we don't really believe that exists. And there's nothing we can do and good luck and just move on with it. So that's sort of how I did it. But when I was doing a little bit of research for today, they say that Epstein-Barr causes infectious mono, but I got it from other things. So I'm not really sure. All I know is I wanted a day off from school because I felt like I was coming down with something and my dad said no, because at the time I was living with my father. and. If I take a day off, and this is how I've always been, if I know I'm coming down with something, I take a day, and I usually can fight it off, or it will be less than what it was. Yes. And because he had to be the boss of me, I went to school and got sick and got bronchitis and tonsillitis and ended up getting my tonsils out, like the whole deal. So it was like I got super sick. And so it doesn't necessarily make sense to me that I had Epstein-Barr first and then ended up with infectious mono. To me, the way that it kind of happened was I got really sick that junior year and I was okay for a bit. And then when I was 19, the symptoms really started. Yes. So I'm not kind of really sure how all of this works, but I know that it got to the point where, you know, if I went to work out and I love lifting weights and I love doing cardio and I love doing all of that, and I'm 19, 20 years old living in my first apartment, and this is a little gross. I would come home and it got to the point where I couldn't peel off my gym clothes and have a shower. I would lay out a beach towel on my bed before I left for the gym and I would come home and pass out and sleep for two hours and then get up and, 
and and like I said, that's gross, but that's like if we can go back to like the late eighties, the very very yeah. late eighties, yes. that was some serious lycra. So it took a lot of work to get off. Yeah, <laughs> so it's not like maybe it was, it was just, the clothes. It was the clothes, <laughs> but it's not like just yoga clothes that you could. You had to like peel that stuff yes. off. And yeah. I love so the visual of lycra. <laughs> <laughs> so so like we're on a towel oh my god yeah it was very sexy i'm thinking and olivia newton john just pretty much pretty much i i think even then i i i'm sad to say i think even then it was like the thong one piece over like the the <laughs> leggings yeah it was it was that kind of attractive and uh-huh. that's where i knew something was really wrong like i knew that working out was good for me yeah but there was a payback and that payback was you're not going to function at all. And it would be like zombie, just oh, yes. literally yeah. collapsing into bed. That would be a two hour nap, get up, have my shower, go to work. I was waiting tables. And this is like how it went for that summer. And then I went home because my grandfather was sick. And that's where everything kind of really shifted again, because I'm not a flake. You would think that I'd be yeah. because how often I've had to cancel plans, but I'm not a flake. If I've got a commitment, I meet it. And if I've got a class, I go to it. And to kind of have to back out of a lot of my life, yes, it, um, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was kind of different. And I can make it to work because I had to work because I was supporting myself. So I had bills to pay. So that's one thing I could not miss. And I like what you said when we were talking on the phone that you budget energy. Oh, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and without realizing it, that's what I was doing because I would be in bed until the last possible moment to get up, have a shower, get ready, go to work, and then just kind of collapse back into bed. Yes. And I think that is what people see because they don't see you budgeting your energy. They, show, they see you showing up at work putting in a shift, they see you, whatever it is you do during the day. But I thought, I don't budget energy with my friends. Like I, mm-hmm. this is when I'm sleeping 10 hours a night. I did, I mean, I don't think the average 40 year old sleeps that much, but I mean, <laughs> maybe it's a blessing. I don't know. But I, you know, for me, I'd love, I'd love those two hours of my life back. Right. Like, what would you do? Like, I'd, I'd like to ask that to people. Like, what would you do with two more hours of your life? Mm-hmm. Every single day for, well, I guess for me, it's been seven or eight years, I guess, 2013 yeah. until now. Well, yeah, that's, like that's a, a half a day. That's a half a day a week. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of time. So yeah. while again, sleeping isn't a horrible thing, it's just being awake is generally better, which is why people spend time awake when they can. I just <laughs> not sure what I would, I'm not sure what I would do with that time. So I, yeah, there is some, some amount of mourning to that. And, mm-hmm. and certainly acceptance of yourself, like acceptance of this limit that you now have, I can't, I can't be the person that says yes all the time. And like you, I think I even wrote an article, perhaps for Healthline, actually, as well, that like, I'm not flaky. I'm not a person who cancels plans. I also I show up for my friends. And there was many years where I just, I just had to say no. Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, at the time, it was quite heartbreaking. Now I feel more comfortable. I think many people our age, you kind of get to the uh, Limits are wonderful. You feel wonderful when you're able to set a limit and a boundary and say, you know, no thanks. Uh, But, you know, eight years ago when I'm in the prime of my life and running a business and I have young kids, it it wasn't fun to say no. And I think what I focused on was like, my friends need to know that I'm not flaky. And I thought, what? it's me who needs to accept this. Like, I have to accept that I am now the person who says no, because I have to budget my energy to 
just meet the needs of my family, meet the needs of myself, just to not run completely empty in the tank at the end of the day. So when I'm hitting the when I'm hitting the pillow, I'm not below zero and having to make up for it tomorrow because that's that's what it seems like. It really feels like a tank that you're very yeah. you're very aware of where your tank is and there's no going below zero. Otherwise, you're going to pay for it the next day. Right. Oh, my t- God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next day and possibly week. Yes. And possibly week. Yes. I don't know. The way I described it to people is I feel like a wrung out dish rack, like I'm oh. limp and yeah. empty and useless. Like there is nothing in me. And it's really hard because I present as very energetic and yes. and on top of things. And for a part of the day, I really am. Yeah. Yes. But when I hit that wall, then it's it's like there's nothing in me when I'm when I'm tapped out. It's not a cup of coffee or a nap is going to fix this. It's like I really can't. And if I do push myself, then I'm going to get sick and then I can't do everything. Yeah. And you won't be meeting your your responsibilities will suffer. Mm-hmm. And even your your responsibility to yourself, like to be able to get up and have, you know, something of a normal day. Never mind all the all the other demands of everyday life. I I just I feel like I owe that to myself, and mm-hmm. yeah, it did take. Well, I mean, it, for me, it took many many years to accept that this is what my life would look like. And like unlike you, I never did get a diagnosis in the early years. I doctored a lot, and mm-hmm. I have a wonderful doctor who does spend a lot of time with me, which I'm very thankful for. She was wonderful when I had my children. And then when it came to this, I I did the blood tests. I don't know. They tested, I think, yeah, white blood cells. Maybe they did test Epstein-Barr. I'm not actually sure. And they just, in the end, she just kind of, I remember a day where she shrugged her shoulders. And by this time, you know, I was on the Google machine and I was, I thought, you know, you know, this staple, this post-exertional malaise, they call it. I'm like, 100%, this is what it is for me. And I thought, and this only applies to chronic fatigue. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in the end, what you need for a diagnosis of chronic fatigue, uh, I mean, at that time, I haven't researched this recently, was six months of feeling that way. So, you know, six months into 2013, I thought, oh, like, bring me a cake. I now have (laughs) someone going to reward me with something. Yeah, and I never, I just, I knew, I knew it was untreatable. And I I can't say whether, I don't know whether she believed me or not, my doctor, but Mm -hmm. I thought, well, whether she believes me or not, there's nothing she can offer me, you know, kind of. Medically. So right. I, uh, I didn't doctor. I thought there's nothing, there's nothing you can offer me. And I, I suppose I figured it out for myself, but there really yeah. was a long, I'm, I mean, years of mourning. I remember going to, uh, we went to a cabin once and it's probably my favorite time of year because it's, I, I live in Canada. It's horrible most of the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's cold a lot of the time so uh, right. everybody really comes out in the summer and then makes the most of sort of July and August and I was on a holiday with my family it's probably my favorite week of the year we'd rented a cabin and I just I couldn't you know I couldn't I didn't have it to enjoy the week like I wanted to and mm-hmm. I uh, my kids were quite young and we were chasing them in and out of like out of the water you don't want to but, you know, with little babies, you're staying very close. And for right. me, that that was it. My full energy was just spent chasing them. And again, like like you've described, a completely heavy... It wasn't like I got back at the end of the day and thought, oh, wow, I've had an awesome day. I just got back empty and drained. 
And I didn't, you know, my kids don't really understand this and they were too young. And I remember texting a friend and just like, I'm just bawling and bawling and saying, I give up, I give up. I don't even know what I give up on. I just give up. Mm. And it, I think that was probably three, three years and kind of strangely, I think that was sort of a turning point for me. Like, I think then I maybe did, I just, I don't, and, and again, I can hardly articulate what I gave up on, but I, perhaps it was just who I was before this. Yeah. And I think, you know, that being a low moment was also maybe a turning point where I thought, sure. yeah, I, I am no longer who I was. Uh, what do I have to do to make life good for me now? And perhaps at that time, or I'm not sure it was particularly dramatic, but I did start taking better care of myself, learned how to budget that energy. So there was something, you know, left for me. So when I got back at the end of the day, I wasn't plastered to the couch and feeling horrible. So there really was like a low moment, but I do think it did help me start healing. Well, it sounds like acceptance. Yes, absolutely. Like that's, that's definitely the word for it. But it, I guess it came in its own time because I never did. Like, I don't know if maybe for you, you found acceptance in the diagnosis itself. I'm not sure. Well, there was that. And then I was also directed to uh, a doctor of oriental medicine. And because I'm from Los Angeles, I am open to all of these things that people would think are totally strange and completely cockamamie. But this guy was really, really good. Great. So I was very fortunate to go to him. And he... There are a lot of herbalists out there, and there's a very famous one in Los Angeles, actually Beverly Hills, where a lot of um, celebrities go to this person. And of all the people I know that have gone to him, they've never gotten better because he just gives you a bunch of, you know, capsules that you could just basically buy off of Amazon. And the doctor I went to, he would do the herbs to you and your body. He did this word finger thing where he touched his fingers and would touch my knee or whatever it was and nothing inappropriate, but it was like this kind of weird thing. And then he would concoct this herb situation and it was pretty awful that we nicknamed it dirt (laughs) because it kind of looked like it. And you could either put it in capsules or you could just kind of throw it down the back of your throat and like gag down this dirt clod, but it worked. And Great. He he also said, and look, I'm totally open to it being a placebo effect. I don't care. Whatever it was, it, it worked. worked. Who cares? And it was like money well spent because even though it was pricey, you had actual time with the doctor. You weren't dealing with whatever you were dealing with. So for him, when I was going, he helped me with not only the Epstein-Barr, but my I had ulcers at the time. I'm just oh. a picture of health. And one time I went in, it was just, I had an upper respiratory infection and I was just feeling terrible. And it was just like the, I had a scheduled appointment and this was just all kind of happening. He's like, you should go to your doctor and get on antibiotics. I said, but I don't want to. He's like, okay, well, if you're not feeling better in three days, I want you to go to your doctor. So he wasn't like completely anti Anti No, 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 no. He was just a good, good man and really, really skilled at what he was doing. Three days later, I'm healthy. Like it was oh, so you cleared didn't it up. No, no, it was, he, he uh-huh. was really good. But the other thing he told me was get off dairy because yeah. dairy is a foreign protein. And when your body is digesting dairy, your immune system starts attacking it because it doesn't recognize this protein. Now that might sound wackadoodle to people, especially if they love ice cream. But think well, about that- when you're... <laughs> yeah. 
exactly. But if, if you think about it, when you're sick and you have a cold and you have a glass of milk, aren't you more congested? Oh, yes. You know, yeah. it's, it, it, your body just doesn't like it. Your taste buds do. Your body, not so much. So I got rid of dairy back again my junior year of high school, watching Live Aid, my best friend and I at the time decided that today is the day we're becoming vegetarian. So that was the last day I had, you know, red meat or the day before. So I haven't had red meat since Live Aid. A few years later, I went back to chicken and fish. So I've always had like um, understanding of nutrition for my body, for what feels good in my system. And then taking out dairy was really life-changing in the sense that when you have allergies, yes. you, you just shouldn't be having that anyway. When you have asthma, you just shouldn't be having that anyway. So that helped. And these herbs helped. Getting on a regular sleep schedule, that, that took a long time because I was very much yes. a four-hour sleeper and then I'd sleep all weekend. Like if I got out of yeah. bed before noon on a Saturday or Sunday, that was early. And it was usually more like yeah. two o'clock, sometimes four o'clock. And so that, that was a long time coming. But once I finally became a grown up and saw the point of getting a good night's sleep, I'm still more of a six hour sleeper, but that's, that's enough for me because it's consistent and it's good deep sleep. Oh, good. But it's, as far as like waking up feeling refreshed, I can't say that I feel that often or often. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll wake up and think, well, yeah, I, I feel pretty good. I've kind of cut out naps because those used to be like a big part of surviving. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I've also in the last three years, cause I, I got through a period where it was, it was manageable. You know, you have your little remission you do. and every once in a while you have a flare and all of that. Um, I got a pretty bad flare, I would say about, I guess about eight years ago now, after kind of having it under control and really relearning what I needed to do for myself. And I got a little bit more serious with my diet and I've been consistent with exercise. Sometimes I would fall off the wagon, but I try to be consistent with that because I know it helps me. But I think it was almost three years ago, I did the autoimmune solution and that's where I cut out caffeine and chocolate and grains. Oh, my heart. <laughs> I know. And I'm, I'm like an 88% dark chocolate girl. Like, you know, oh. I was like, no joke. It was like a part of my life. And I will okay. say this, this is crazy. This is crazy talk now. <laughs> Give me the herbs. But cutting out chocolate. Oh, man. <laughs> I know, I know, it took me a long time. Yeah. But it's, it's, that really changed me. And now I do a modified version of that. Because you know, I'm not 100% grain free, because my tea chino is made of barley. Okay, so so is my whiskey. And so oh, is yeah. my Guinness. And there are just certain things that, you know, but my vodka is potato vodka. And you know, my last name is Miller. I'm part Irish. It's like, that's <laughs> just going to be a factor in my life. I think it would be wrong if it wasn't. <laughs> Man, especially as a writer. It's like, there are just certain things that you just yeah. kind of have to figure out how to incorporate in your life. Um, but I do a very low sugar kind of life and that really changed it for me. So now I am feeling better. I can't say that I'm, that I wouldn't like to sleep in, that I wouldn't like to have a nap. Like there are times, and usually there's a point in the night where 
I'm just like, okay, I'm done. I'm dead. Like this is, this is it. And then there are other times where it's like, okay, it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm still like alert and ready to go. I know I need to go to sleep because my alarm's going off at six 30 period, but it's, it, you know, that just kind of happens every once in a while. For me, it's all about diet, all about exercise and also knowing my limits and when to say no yes. and keeping myself out of situations like with my allergies. I no longer am a people pleaser in that regard. I do not take my drugs to be around your pets. And like, yeah. Yeah, because that, that what, is yeah. what, so try being like exhausted and then being on an antihistamine on top of that. Cause that's just like a double whammy. Yeah. That's a fog, like a fog. <laughs> Oh. I joked with my friend because I would go up and stay with her. And, you know, I said, your husband's never really met me because of their cat. I was always on like a Claritin or something. And I'm like, he hasn't met me because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just like half a zombie, you know, on my third cup of coffee trying to like be perky and yeah. have something witty to say. But it's like, really, all I want to do is go to sleep. And I'm totally dehydrated. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we meet somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was just a situation, but I don't do that now. And people are disappointed. Like I can go over to some people's houses for a short time, go home, have a shower and just hope that I don't pay for it the next day. But it's not worth it. It's not worth it to take those medications at all. There's such a payback. Yeah. And if you can, if there can be an alternate plan. Yeah. Why add the extra layer of fog onto the already fog that you're experiencing from just existing yeah. Well, and, the, and the hangover from that. And my nasal inhaler was great, except it gave me migraines. And, oh. you know, and so I stopped taking the, the, uh, the Claritin and all of that, because then you're just dehydrated. And then you have a hangover from that as well. And it, it, there's just, it's yes. just, yeah, it's just, it's crap. Yeah. So people are very disappointed. It's like, Oh, you know, come over and come stay with me. It's like, I can't, you've got a dog. And I'd love to, but I can't. Do you see anyone right now? Are you able to see anyone in Los Angeles right now? Um, Only with a mask. And, you know, a lot of my friends uh, have dogs and or cats. And so as far as going over to someone's house, no. A couple weeks ago, I had my best friend from film school and his husband come over. And they have a little dog who I love and loves me. But as long as I wash my hands after I pet her, everything's fine. So we met out on my patio and had a socially distanced mass friends. So each of us like ate with, you know, one, one of us would eat while the other two stayed masked up. And it was like really kind of, kind of clever. And, um, and it was nice to kind of see somebody you haven't seen outside of a screen in a year. And yeah, but right now we're still totally locked down and so that is for our shot. All businesses, all businesses other than essential businesses as well. Yeah. I mean, actually, Lockdown socially, I think it, restaurants are open. We we go this back and forth in Los Angeles, like if we're going to reopen everything and oh, now we have another upswing. And it's, yeah. you know, it's just all we need to do is get vaccinated. And here's another thing. I do not get the flu shot. I've gotten one flu shot in my life. And when I got it, I felt like I was coming down with the flu for three months. Okay. Yes. I have had like, the same experience. Yes. And so I'm like, this doesn't work with my body. I also don't get the flu. And that's just from, I think, 
when you have a lot of autoimmune, I just think your immune system is so awesome. It, you know, it has nothing to do, so oh, yeah. it will attack itself. It will so, attack anything. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's an army that. that like, what can we introduce? What can I attack? So I don't usually get it. Plus, I, I've always washed my hands. Like you just kind well, of that's think about it, and you take care of yourself. And part of like having Epstein Barr is you have to support your immune system all the time, yes. and you have to find what works. And so I think with that, I've been lucky, but I'm definitely getting vaccinated. And I know there's a chance that this could trigger whatever, but uh, I will take that over COVID any day. So definitely looking forward to getting my jab. Yeah. Where I'm thinking, like whenever I make a decision, like flu shots, I've had some years I have it, some years I didn't. When it was H1N1, I did do, I had a, I had a jab that year. We don't call them jabs here, but you call them jabs. And... I, I, I love British, Britishism. Okay, okay. I'm married <laughs> to a British guy and I think, why am I speaking jabs with an American here? What's going on? But, yes. I, I call it a shot, I guess. Yeah. Flu shot. Yes. Yeah, I generally calculate, like, is this worth, is this worth, however long it takes me to get over. If I get the flu shot and it's taking me two weeks to get over the flu shot on the off chance that it happens to be effective that year on the off chance that I happen to be exposed to the flu, or do I just take my chances with the flu? So there Mm -hmm. is, I do, again, like you said, you have to take care of your immune system. And for me, it's not just like, yep, roll up my sleeve. Let's do this. I just think like, you know, am I prepared for two weeks of sleepiness? Like, am I, can I do this? Is it worth, you know, you, you weigh up the risks, but right. Yes, COVID is, uh, yeah, I I have lived in terror of it because I'm yes. not, I feel like, is this, am I one of those people when they say, oh, they had a pre-existing condition? I thought, well, I have a pre-existing condition. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not, I'm not what I imagine when I think of pre-existing conditions, but I certainly, I would not like to perish of this illness. Exactly. Well, and, and unfortunately, this isn't really a condition that people 100% believe. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I and by that I mean not just people in our lives, but the medical community. Yes. So absolutely. I'm going to I'm going to give you the definition of chronic fatigue syndrome according to the Mayo Clinic. Chronic fatigue syndrome is a complicated disorder characterized by extreme fatigue that lasts for at least 6 months and that can't be fully explained by any other underlying medical condition. The fatigue worsens with physical or mental activity but doesn't improve with rest. Other characteristic symptoms include sleep that isn't refreshing, hello, difficulties with memory, focus, and concentration, hello, dizziness that worsens with moving from lying down or sitting to standing. This condition is also known as myalgic encephalomyelitis. Sometimes it's abbreviated as ME slash CFS. The most recent term proposed is systemic exertional intolerance disease. Yes. The cause of chronic fatigue syndrome is unknown, although there are many theories ranging from viral infections to psychological stress. Some experts believe that chronic fatigue syndrome might be triggered by a combination of factors, which means they don't know shit. There is no single test to confirm a diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome. You may need a variety of tests to rule out other health problems that have similar symptoms. Treatment for chronic fatigue syndrome focuses on improving symptoms, which means they still don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And here's the the kind of clinker. 
Chronic fatigue syndrome occurs more commonly in women, which is probably why there isn't more information or research about it because we are hysterical. We don't, you know, we are just always dramatic and exaggerating and there's always some sort of problem with us that no doctor can explain. So it's all in our heads and it's no, our bodies are different. We react to things differently. And because we don't have a penis, there's not a whole lot of research involved in what's going on with our bodies. That's basically it. Because if this was a dude issue, don't you think like medical science would be completely on top of this? Like if, if a gentleman was feeling this kind of malaise, would there not be another version of a blue pill to help them throughout the day? Well, here's to hoping. <laughs> I'm, I'm so interested. I'm I'm so interested to hear you read that because I I mean I've read that a thousand times at the beginning of this and I remember it. They were going to move to the systemic exertional intolerance disease. Mm-hmm. I actually thought they had moved to that in the states. I thought they had changed the name. You know, it's again, it's not a real thing. So there's not really a label to go with it. There's no money to be made off of this, I guess is what I'm saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. so because there's no money to be made off of this, they're not putting any research toward it. And it's just all in your head. So take a nap, take a pill because you're depressed, figure it out. It's it's a little frustrating because I've had it for such a long time. For so long, I wasn't believed. It's, yes, absolutely. It's yeah, it's a thing, but is it really a thing? It's back then. It was even the yuppie flu. <laughs> yes, I remember it being called that and <laughs> and seeing it referred to that. But I think I I think by 2013 it it had sort of lost it had lost the yuppie flu name. But again, still all the same. Blah blah blah. We don't yeah. know. We're going to call it chronic fatigue because we don't have another word for it. You now have chronic fatigue syndrome because we can't tell you what you actually have. Yes, yeah. I actually prefer the name systemic exertional intolerance disease partly because it it describes exactly my symptoms. Like for yeah. me chronic fatigue many people are tired for many reasons uh, and they may be chronically tired because maybe they don't sleep, maybe many right. things. But for me that describes exactly what is different mm-hmm. about my experience. Like the uh exertional intolerance like I I often think of uh, grocery shopping in the early years so I'd go like we have a big store like we call it superstore and there's also a bit like Costco which you know is huge your cart is going to be massive mm-hmm. and I just I had to give up on those stores for a number of years because I couldn't I couldn't push the shopping cart it was yeah they're larger stores you buy larger items I'd either have to take somebody with me to push the cart or I, I just had to shop at a smaller store where I could have yeah. a smaller cart and smaller items. Yeah, and then I, I did work back up to those stores. And I and even in the early days when I did visit the stores, I would have to, if I did something, that's what I did for the day. I went grocery shopping, that's how I budgeted my energy, and the rest of the day was off. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't go for a walk, I couldn't function around the house. Like my choice was grocery shopping and pushing a shopping cart and nothing else. So yeah, so I do actually prefer the name simply because it draws attention to what I think, at least for me, is really unique about this illness. Yes, I'm chronically tired, but for me, the on physical exertion or else actually uh, any kind of virus or immune thing, I guess it kind of leaves the uh, immune part out if they were to call it that. It sort of leaves the immune aspect out. 
But again, yes, I'm, I'm so glad you read that because I, I grew so fed up of reading it that I just stopped. And I remember mm-hmm. scrolling through Facebook once and I, at the time I followed a bunch of chronic fatigue kind of blogs or informational, uh, yes, science, sorry. Bleh. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the time I followed. You're speaking yeah. my language. It just got all jumbled <laughs> in my mouth. So I would follow, I followed a number of organizations, you know, advocacy things. And I remember seeing a headline that said, think chronic fatigue syndrome doesn't shorten your lifespan. You're wrong. I never opened that. And I unfollowed them. And I thought, I don't need to know. I don't fucking need to know. Like, no. Thanks. And actually, right. after that, I just thought, how can I take care of myself? How can I have an amazing life? And I really stopped and like, until you read that to me, I really have not researched this illness because I just thought, I don't, I don't want to know. I want to get on with my life and have an awesome life. Yeah. Well, and I'm the same way. It's not like I like oh. Google it every week. Like I, I Googled it for today and, but I don't, once I got the diagnosis, like I said, and you know, there's only so much we can do and only alternative doctors are really doing anything about it. I became my own yeah. advocate and expert and just figured out with myself what worked. I do recall having one of those studies brought to my attention where not everybody with Epstein-Barr has MS, but everybody with MS has Epstein-Barr. And I didn't read that one either, but it that oh, sticks really? with me because it's like, well, that's, that's scary. groovy. But it's not, yeah. it's really not that Epstein-Barr is uncommon. It's one of those things that everybody's been exposed to, but whether or not they get sick from it. So it's very common, yes. but it's not something that necessarily affects everyone. And sort of what I think is going to be a big sea change is a lot of people who have been through COVID now have these chronic fatigue symptoms. Yes. So they are experiencing not only just the fatigue, but the um, brain fog and the lymph nodes and all of that stuff that that we've gone through. So there's going to be a lot more people suffering these same symptoms. And I wonder if more research will be done about that because clearly this is immune system related. Yes. Clearly this is viral related. And this is a real reaction to a virus that the body's been exposed to that leads to chronic problems. And the fact that there isn't a team of researchers out there to deal with it, mainly because women experience it, in my opinion. It's going to be interesting to see how we transition in, in these next few years with so many people having these terrible symptoms yeah. and how they are going to be able to function in normal life. Because first of all, I don't think we're going to have a normal life for a very, very yeah, long time. I don't time. think so either. I think this could be going on for many, many years. Well, and it's just one of many pandemics that's now going yes. to be an occurrence. Like it's it, the floodgates have opened and there's no putting yeah. it back. Like this is just going yeah. to be part. Yeah, not at all. And we've been very fortunate that this is really our first pandemic well, in our, in our lifetime because the rest of the world, the rest of the world has dealt with this, you know, yeah, chronic. often. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's just going to be, kind of a different world, but I'm hopeful that the medical community will take it a little bit more seriously and not just see it as some sort of attitude problem. Yeah. And I'm thinking there really will, I'm, 
again, I'm not hoping for this. I, I don't hope that people who have COVID suffer from this. But at the same time, you know, what whatever does change the attention on this issue. Because it's, like you said, it's never, nobody stands to profit. There's, it doesn't seem right. that they can patent a drug that will somehow make this better for me or for you. And because of that, mm-hmm. it just it's just desperately underfunded and under underbelieved. Like I even think even if there even something as simple as a pharmaceutical treatment, which, you know, I could take or leave. I'm not saying I want a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical treatment for myself, but even things as small as that make people believe these things. Oh, there's a pill for it, it must be real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but to me, the thing is, is it's really food that keeps us sick. And it's not that I don't love a potato chip because I do. It's not that I don't love French fries because I do. But we eat so much crap here in America, especially. And we kind of force our diet on the world. Like when I went to Dublin, I'm like, really? There's, there's a Burger King and a KFC here. Like, really? (laughs) Seriously? We need to do this to the planet. Like, no, we don't. No, we don't. Yeah, we don't. And so that's the first thing we need to realize that and maybe we have done a little bit while we've been in lockdown we're cooking more for ourselves nice. and it's it's a lot of work and when you don't have energy it's very hard but it's food that helps us the most it's nutrition yeah. that helps us the most and taking out all the crap even when it's totally delicious and completely convenient that is what makes the bigger difference and i don't think that the medical community embraces that to the degree it should and the first thing that especially if you're dealing with autoimmune, what do you eat? Yeah, yes. Because especially when you are in the throes of it, you are doing caffeine and sugar like crazy it's just because you're through. trying to get energy. Just anything that's going to give you a little bit of, of – look, I made it through an entire movie on um, chocolate-covered espresso beans. <laughs> like it was a six-month yeah. shoot, and it's like I just had pounds of them, and it would just be like <laughs> – I'm just going to keep eating it because it's the perfect combination of caffeine and sugar and it's going to get me through. Because when you're dealing with chronic fatigue and you've got to wake up at 4 a.m. to get to set and every day is a different day and it's a long day and every call time is different, it was rough. But yeah, so I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of the cookie fest to kind of keep me through and the constant, look, Starbucks is Starbucks because of me. Like I've kept them rolling. All right. well, somebody just, apparently somebody recently. does stand to make money from this. <laughs> Maybe yeah, exactly. Starbucks <laughs> needs to fund the research. I think, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we, we put, put them out of business, yeah. but yeah, I'll tell you, T Chino needs to be the one to do the research on this. Like get off what the caffeine. What is T Chino? You've said this twice. Let's teach you. T Chino, it's, and it's not, believe me, I wish they were sponsored. They're not. It's, um, you can get it in bags, like actual coffee. You can get it in tea bags as well. You can, I make one version in my mocha pot. I make one version in my French press because it gives me the ritual of coffee, which okay. I enjoy. But it's made, you, there are different versions. I think there's one that's made with chicory, one that's like dandelion yeah. root. And the ones that I have are mostly like barley okay. based. And it's a delightful coffee-like experience. And so I enjoy their French roast version. There's also a mocha chocolate oh, version nice. that I like. And they have like all sorts of different flavors. And again, you can get it like in a tea bag or you can get it like Um, you should be able to, and you can definitely get it online. You can order from them directly. But most grocery stores have it. A lot of health food stores have it. Be um, Whole Foods here has it, although they just recently stopped carrying my French roast version, oh, so oh screw no. them. <laughs> 
Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I swear to God, he's my yeah. nemesis. Um, so I really like it. So because I tried a bunch of different versions, but they're they're very tasty and they're very easy to make. And if you still like want to have the silly I ritual do. that I like, okay. you can brew it like tea. But I love my French press and I love oh, my is it mocha black? So I've got to know. Is it like have- a black? Rich black brown. Yeah, That's yeah. what I want. I oh, want yeah. the color, the richness. Oh, yeah. No, it looks okay. like coffee. It absolutely looks like coffee. And it tastes a lot like coffee. So I do it with my almond milk or my yeah. coconut milk. I even like heat my milk and I froth it. So I do yeah, like my full milk. coffee experience. This is how weird I am. And I'll either sweeten it with stevia, although I've moved over to monk fruit sugar drops. I haven't even got to stevia yet. So I'm, I'm two steps behind you here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not a big sugar fiend. It's, that is not my weakness of all things. I, sh- I, I don't have a real sweet tooth. Like for me, like you said, it's the potato chips. I just the salt oh, yeah. and the crunch give it to me in any form. Oh yes. Yeah. I think honestly, I could think of like dairies and sugars. Sure, bye bye. But just don't take away my crunch and yeah. salt. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm so interested. In this. We have to have some yeah, joy in sure. life. I, and I agree. It's all about the ritual. Like the the ritual. And the, black yeah. rich color like I don't want I don't want like f- dried up fruits floating in water like who wants that mm-hmm. I well, many people but not me <laughs> like that <laughs> well I went through my yeah. tea phase and I love it but to me it's like I've always described like the difference between a, a nice cup of tea and a latte yeah. is like a cup of tea is like a long sleeve yeah. t-shirt but a latte yeah. is like a sweater yeah and so I want that sweater. I want that warmth and that weight and all of that good stuff. So I love having my process. Yes, of frothing. My frothing, my brewing, the whole shebang. So that brings me an immense amount of joy. Good. And also it's prebiotic. It's like all this good stuff. So it's it's helping me. So right now I'm probably at my healthiest. Oh, that's great. I'd good. say. I'm saying that kind of really, but I think so because I'm eating the cleanest. I'm exercising not, not as regularly as I once did, which is like six days a week at the gym, 90 minutes, which I loved. That was, that was when I was at my happiest, but then the world changed and I actually had to get like an office job, but now it's, you know, yoga in the house or an urban hike up the Hills, you know, right behind me and keeping that, kind of at least five days a week, just a little yes. something five even days just a to week. get out of the you know, I don't know house apartment, even just to get out, leave the property yeah. and definitely to get out, get yeah, that vitamin D, sure. but to do something for your body. Cause even when you are dealing with physical limitation, do something, even if it's like chair dancing or whatever yeah. you can do, you have to remind your body to have that physicality. So even if it's a gentle yes. walk, or chair yoga, you have to find what what works for you because your body needs to be reminded that you're caring for it in that way. It sounds a little... Or in finding the delicate balance between, you know, budgeting your energy, but also gaining energy from moving. Like we all know Mm -hmm. how terrible you feel if you've sat around all day. It feels horrible. So, you know, to go recharge with some really crisp air here. I'll be honest. It's very, very, very very crisp (laughs) sometimes, but... Yeah, I know we have like the wind from the snow on the hill. So it's, it's a little, it's yeah, a little chilly, so but I've got, you know, 
<laughs> I know exactly. Our, our blood is very thin here, so yeah. sixty degrees is is. I is think hard. we well, you know, today's supposed to be a very nice day, but we've been at oh, there's a beautiful point on the temperature gauge where Fahrenheit and Celsius mm-hmm. line up, and that's at minus forty. <laughs> so just so you know, that isn't awesome. my that isn't my realm of experiences every year. Minus forty meets minus forty, and we. We oh, live Lord. to tell the tale. I know, with a smile on your face, like only because it's a funny story, not no. because it's pleasant. It's it's it really is horrible, and this it's been melting. And this morning, I was I was trying to measure out something in our backyard, and I, I my foot sunk in the snow, and it's all half melted, and my ankle was bleeding, and I thought, why do we live here? Oh, no. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Finally gets warm and then the sto- snow starts cutting you. I thought, oh my Lord. <laughs> what are we doing here? The, I think the planet has had enough of us. Like the planet is just yeah. out to get us. It's it's just done. Like we've overstayed yeah. our welcome. We haven't There's behaved There's 8 billion well. of you it's now. Like, like I'm going to start taking you out in any way I can. <laughs> We're just going to show yeah. you who's boss. Yeah. I feel like I'm shown his boss, you know, every January and February. Yeah get inside or perish. So there's, there's that. But I, like I said, I like living where I live, we almost had a COVID free summer last summer. So I feel like in some yeah. ways, at least not all Canadians will say this, like in Toronto, it, it, it's been quite bad there. So in the heavily populated sort of like middle, middle East, that's a middle East, it's a different place. The middle Eastern part of Canada, they, uh, they have been locked down Whereas I, we kind of had a break this summer. And so I don't feel quite like I've been locked up a year. We kind of, we were able to go out and because it's not very populated everywhere you go, because, you know, nobody wants to live here. So <laughs> <laughs> I say my favorite place. For the well, there's an upside to that. There's an upside to that. So, I mean, you can go to large places and you're not going to be within two meters of anybody else. There's lots of space that way. So, yeah. Plus that two works. thumbs up for that. But yeah, so the vaccine rollout, yeah, it has been slower here. I I think the, the U.S. is doing quite well, actually, on the grand scheme. Oh, well, thanks for yeah, the compliment. I think that in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I, but you know, when they hear like the, that it still spreads, I'm just, oh, like we're going to be wearing masks forever? Or is I, I don't know, maybe? For, for a while. For I, I'd say probably for like the next year or two. I, yeah. That's my guess. Maybe not everywhere all the time, but I think it's, it's, I think it's a courtesy. Like if I go to the grocery store, I'm just going to wear yeah. one. I don't think people think it's weird anymore. It's we've passed the, uh, the- it, it, there's, there's going to be a rebellion after we all get our shot and you know, I'm not going to wear a mask and you know, it's, it, it, it will become, it will become a philosophical stance. Everything is. It's, it's, everybody's. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just going to be weird for a while. I was just going to say, I think going on an airplane, you know, the post airplane sick that you inevitably get because you know, you're breathing recirculated yeah. air. I thought, geez, I'll, I'll wear a mask on a plane for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> the only plane trip I'm really planning to take is to Australia. Oh. <laughs> Where you can go to a concert and they won't let you in, maybe. <laughs> well, I'll have, to, I'll have to, like, you know, quarantine for two weeks and then I can actually enjoy yeah. my stay. But, yeah. Plan, I hope you have a lot of days off. <laughs> if, I, if I actually get to make it to Australia, it will be because I yeah. won the lottery. <laughs> well, fingers crossed for that. Okay. Amen. Well, it's been great yeah. talking to you, Adele. Great Thank to meet you, so Sandra. Much. I wish you the best with your health. Like it, Thank yeah, you. Same it sounds to like you. you've sort of found your path, which is kind of what you you do. I, as you get older, you kind of find your limits and your path. And 
what works for you. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's, I'm glad that you're living your best life. So it's great. Well, thanks. Yeah. I wish the same Thank for you. you. Okay. Thanks. You can find Adele on her website, tuesdaysisters.com and approfessionalwriting.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this sassy little podcast, please subscribe to it, rate it and review it and tell your friends about it. To contribute to the podcast and help keep it ad-free, consider becoming a member of the community at sassylittlepodcast.com. And let's connect. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at sassylittlepod. Until next time, take care. <laughs>